gold and silver are always going to be mined because it's linked to economics and finances. So what we do is really try to highlight those spaces where it's being mined in a way that's ethical. Welcome to Mission Critical, a podcast about the big picture, the purpose, and the values that drive today's most game-changing companies, entrepreneurs, and leaders. I'm your host, Lance Chung, Editor-in-Chief of Glory Media, and I'll be introducing you to a group of brilliant minds who are making an impact on the world and forging the path ahead. While they may all be very different from each other, the question remains the same. What's your mission? So Ashley, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited. I met you actually in person at our 30 by 30 event and it was, uh, I feel like a quite a quick turnaround actually to uh, have you as a guest on uh, at this event, but I'm just so inspired by your story and the work that you're doing. And so, um, for those of us, or for the, the people in our audience, um, can you tell us a little bit about your brand? Just what is your overall elevator pitch uh, and, and ethos around Omi Woods? And where does the name come from? Omi Woods. So Omi Woods is a jewelry line that really explores African and Caribbean heritage. Um, Omi means water in um, this language called Yoruba. And it's a West African language that's based in Nigeria. And I studied it when I was in college. And c combined with woods, it translates to land of wood and water. Um, and that's the indigenous name for Jamaica. So that's where I'm from. There's a lot of, there's gonna be a lot of journeys and stories along this panel. Mm -hmm. So, um, but that's where Omi is from. Yeah. yeah. And what was your first introduction to jewelry, especially as a, a form of self-expression and, and dialogue? I would say from the bangles that my aunts and my mom wore. Um, we're from Jamaica, the Caribbean, and there's something called the Caribbean bangles. They have a lot of Indian influence, Guyanese specifically. And um, they're just something that your parents will pass down, your mom will pass down to um, their daughters and, and, and their granddaughters. So that's where I got into jewelry specifically um, through that through that story and through seeing my aunts wear those bangles. Is there an idol? I mean, I think a lot of us can probably remember seeing uh, a family member, whether it's your our mothers or fathers or you know siblings or cousins or whatever it might be, wearing um, you know a specific piece of jewelry that was so signature to them. Is there something that you remember vividly growing up? Um, seeing your family member or someone close to you wearing that really kind of had an impact on you and, and imprinted on you in terms of what jewelry could mean to a person outside of an accessory? It's interesting because I think we go back to that last question where most of my family just wore wedding rings and then those bangles. Of course, they'd wear things like hoops and little studs, but there isn't necessarily a culture of jewelry in the Caribbean specifically um, not like other cultures. And the reason being is because we've gone through the transatlantic slave trade. And through that journey, we left a lot of these precious metals. We weren't able to bring them along. So the brand is really about connecting us to that legacy and that heritage and bringing those pieces in. And then there's also people who are just very simple. Our pieces are very simple and things that you can wear daily. A lot of African jewelry is, I would say there's costume and then there's the fine jewelry and the fine jewelry is usually bigger and bolder. It's worn for celebrations or it's worn for regal events. 
Um, it's worn by kings, it's worn by people who are getting married, so it's larger and not really for every day. So I was really interested in how to make jewelry pieces that um, flow with your everyday life. Yeah, and I guess just kind of building on that, you know, fashion and style have always been used as uh, a reflection or a barometer of the times. Um, it speaks to you everything from politics to history to culture, economics. Uh, when you look at, you know, history, say for example, Dior, you know that the, the new look, it was a celebration of post-war ultra femininity. So in a similar way, what's the kind of dialogue or kind of um, conversation that you're looking to build on uh, through Omi Woods? That's such a broad question. There's so many things and so many elements that you get into when you're making these pieces. But going back to making pieces that people can wear kind of every day and just fits into life a little more seamlessly, a lot of the jewelry that um, has connections to Africa are more costume jewelry, so made with um, metals that are mystery metals. So I really wanted to make pieces that you can wear every day that would blend into who you are. Um, a little more seamlessly, but also reflected different elements of African culture and Caribbean culture. And how did you learn to design and make jewelry? You have a background in, in fashion. Um, what was, what, what's your background in terms of, or what's your journey in terms of making jewelry? That's an interesting one. I studied Africana studies in, in college, Africana studies and, and communications. So I was doing a lot of photography and film work. And then I came back and I was doing um, activist work, a lot of nonprofit work, doing work in gender-based violence. And that's how I got into clothing. I was sewing clothing. A friend gave me a sewing machine and started sewing clothing with African prints just to make women feel beautiful, um, seen and cultural. Um, and then, I moved into jewelry and I went into um, George Brown. So I studied um, continuing education at George Brown. Amazing school, amazing school for jewelry. I really recommend it. It's one of the best in Canada. And there, it was, it was really trial by fire. Like literally we were in like a room and they have these huge torches and it's just like, I just remember her screaming like, okay, put the fire down here. And it's so dangerous. And you're just like, wow, this is just like, this is a continuing education class. I'm coming after work. But, <laughs> but it was like, it was, it was definitely intense, but it was really beautiful to be in that class with all these women who were going through that same trial. Literally, we'd hear the people in the studio and they're just like yelling and screaming and just looking at each other. And, and you get an appreciation for the craft and the art. It's very dangerous. Like the work that people are doing, they're in hot, hot climates. The people who are sourcing our metals and our jewelry, um, there's a lot of work that goes into it. So um, I believe George Brown just really, really helped me like build and appreciate that connection. Yeah, and I guess building on that, what do you think is, in terms of jewelry as a craft, um, what is something that is either a misconception or something that you would love for people to have a better understanding in terms of how that final piece ends up on your wrist or your, or your neck or what, what's, what's something that everyone should know? So one thing I learned specifically, especially from that class, is that it takes a lot of work into making a piece um, from cutting and filing the metal to hammering the metal. This is when the metal's already, already there. Um, to setting the stone. A lot of the work is done overseas for that very reason, but it just takes a lot of work. And I was like, when I first did the class, I was like, there's no way that I can do this in a way that is business oriented. So I'm just gonna do this for fun. 
and I was going to use like metal clay and make things, but as you get to know the industry and know different techniques, you develop your own techniques. Mm -hmm. So there's, it takes a bit of time, but you can get really creative in how to make pieces and how to make things that make sense in terms of having a business. Um, because whenever you're doing a product business, really the manufacturing element of it is really the, one of the most challenging things. And we manufacture most of our, well, all of our pieces here in Toronto. Um, and our pieces are now being finished, a lot of them in Montreal, because our, our jeweler moved to Montreal. Um, but um, it just takes a lot of work and just having an appreciation for the craft and having appreciation for the skill that it takes to make things is something that I definitely learn. What are some of the bigger milestones that you're really proud of since you've built up the brand? I know that you've been, the brand has been featured on some great shows that I can let you share, but what are you really proud about and, and what kind of uh, visibility has the brand witnessed since it was started? I would say, I was proud of Issa Rae and having it in Insecure. It's such a phenomenal show, like meant so much. And I, I knew her from back when I was doing clothing and she was wearing the clothing pieces and then to have her and the stylist continue on um, incorporating the jewelry into the, the show is really amazing and beautiful. And I was speaking, I can't name this other show that's in the UK, debuting next year, but they incorporated pieces into, um, into their main character and the dialogue of their character. And it's really just nice because you, know, you wanna create something to speak to something that didn't exist before. And then you're seeing it like incorporated into television. It's kind of like a revision of like history or like rewriting of history. So I would say that would be the most um, interesting and inspiring thing. And then of course, it's really nice that my mom just wears the bangles like every single day. She wears her pieces every single day. You know, like sometimes you get into an argument with your mom, but she's just still wearing the bangles right <laughs> and you're just like mom so it's really nice yeah and speaking of that I mean a lot of your the language around the brand speaks to heirlooms and modern heirlooms um, we typically think of the past when it comes to heirlooms but you're looking forward what is the heirloom of the future what do you think are the pieces that will stand out and be treasured in terms of the generations ahead of us and what they value of the the heirlooms that are going to be passed down moving forward this was like such a loaded question i was like how like <laughs> i really love vintage i really love like ancient pieces i just go to the museums and and explore what's in the collections. And I feel like there's definitely a blending of the ancient with the contemporary that I really love and exploring classics. Um, I feel like everyday pieces that hearken to history and also our natural environment, things that blend into the body, things that are easy to wear, and then of course things that are made with like fine metals because they last forever. I was in the UK recently and there's an exhibit on like Persian um, art and jewelry and culture. And um, Persian and Greek art and jewelry and culture and there were these really ornate Greek goblets made of gold. And when you look at them, they look exactly how they looked very likely like 3,000 years ago, right? Like like, and just thinking that that is the nature of gold and fine metals, they carry a story and they can carry it for a very long time. And I do feel like the future is definitely in fine metals. It's, it's, it's something that lasts for a very long time and we've been using it for a very long time. And it's something that will continue on into the future. And, and just kind of going into some of the 
design can you talk about some of the design influences while we're we here we're here um what are the motifs and why do you choose those specific motifs and and designs to implement into your collections okay so how this started i i was making clothing and then i moved into jewelry and we introduced some coins. So coins were really popular. And I remember Beyonce wearing coin jewelry and I was like, I have a feeling she doesn't have any African coins to wear because most coins that we know are Greek and Roman. So I started looking into coins. I found first Egyptian coins and then started finding coins from each culture. And essentially what I saw was that you can really tell a story about the legacy and the history of the culture. It's called like the study of coinage. So essentially what each country does is they put on their coins things that are most important to them, whether it's industry, um, different leaders, um, plants, flora and fauna. And it, they know that their citizens are gonna be handling these pieces every single day. So it's a way to convey the importance and important things of a culture. It can seem very just like just frivolous and this is a coin so superficial but they really put a lot of meaning into the what they select for the coins um so that kind of led me into exploring the different cultures that i was learning about like so people would then start asking for coins from their specific region you would look into like colonial histories and how a lot of colonial rulers were on the coins taking a break and then going into like independence eras and how independence movements um, um, formed who was on the coins some of the rulers were like okay this person was just basically a military dictator and it's like do we want to put that out there so like there's so much history and so much um, things to learn from from studying jewelry, from studying um, just the anthropological nature of jewelry um, that I really am super intrigued and interested. Yeah, that is yeah. super interesting because it is such a utilitarian everyday item that yeah. people might not think twice about. And you think about all the symbology and the things that are represented on our currency and how that's a reflection of what we value. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of your work and your brand and, and the communication around the brand speaks about community and heritage and heirlooms and, and community. For those that may not know much about their past or have a connection to the past, uh, a connection to their history because of, um, say, a history of colonialism, what sense of community and cultural connection do you hope to really inspire through your work? That's a great question. Um, and there's different aspects of that. There's folks who come to the brand and they have their own very intimate connection. Um, and then there's people who wear the pieces and they see other people wearing the pieces and they're like, it's kind of like a, a little knowing. Um, in terms of heritage and connection, I just remember the pieces that my grandma gave me and how that story is still ever evolving and even finding out my heritage and my history. and. There are so many different, I would say, silos within African and Caribbean culture. There's countries that are literally at war with each other. There's like people within or there's groups within the coins who historically have been at war with each other or battling over a lot of time resources. So it's just for me bringing these different countries and cultures together in a way that also speaks to my experience of being here in Toronto and just being around people from all over the world um, and how that is not something that's really normal other places. So I went to school in um, the States and 
when I went there, like I'd go to parties and they were playing like all trap music. And I'm like, where's the reggae? Where's this? Where's that? And literally to know that like there's, there are places that they don't do that. And it's just starting to happen more and more now because we're becoming more globalized. Um, but just to have that really unique experience of living in Toronto and being around so many people, so many cultures, and then imbuing that into your work and then seeing that it's actually coming to life and like the way that society and the world is moving, it's, it's kind of pushing that along. That to me is just an interesting way to just portray Toronto's community out into the world. Um, and then so there's a speech on heritage and people's experiences with heritage and it's super diverse. I was just interviewed by someone whose family is Italian but he grew up in Egypt and now he lives in the UK and his mom was, was in Egypt. He's like, well, I'm Egyptian but I can't really say that. Um, he's like, I don't know. So even folks that have those types of stories that don't necessarily make sense but they feel a connection and that's a way for them to even have that conversation if they're wearing the piece that's something that's really interesting to me. Yeah, yeah. I also noticed that there is a large emphasis on sustainability through your work as well. And sustainability is such a word that is, you know, bandied about these days. It is a buzzword, it's a marketing word, um, and it's very undefined what that could mean. So how do you define sustainability within, through your lens? Sustainability, well, we've, Usually, and like on the website, everything, we describe our brand as an ethical brand, responsible brand. I feel like sustainability is really about like you're living off the land and or you're making sure that you're balancing your carbon like output and input. But um, we describe ourselves as, as ethical. In terms of sustainability, there's just a lot of different approaches. And one of them is to look at what you're doing as a recipe. And as a brand that's working with gold specifically ethically sourced gold um, from the continent it changes so much so you know a lot of our gold is coming from the Congo but one specific project in the Congo because that specific project may not be sustainable over the long term so we're always looking at other projects that are occurring that are doing the work that we want to do um, in terms of jewelry specifically we look at you know things that are empowering women um, things that are empowering communities and helping to alleviate poverty, um, using more recycled gold. So most of the pieces that we make that are made with gold are recycled gold. It's really just our 22 and 24 karat that we're using the ethical gold with. Um, also using recycled silver, um, producing manufacturing locally, um, working with companies that also have within built-in um, goals or carbon neutral goals or or who use um, sustainable electricity. So I was just at a conference recently um, with the um, Responsible Jewelry Council at Harvard, and like, there's so many different views on sustainable jewelry. Like, and some people think we should not be doing any jewelry at all, but the approach um, is that we could do all recycled gold, but the reality is that gold and silver are always going to be mined because it's linked to economics and finances. So what we do is really try to highlight those spaces where it's being mined in a way that's ethical, that people are able to get a fair wage from their, what they're, what they're um, bringing out of the earth or panning from the water. So it's, it's definitely a recipe and it changes, it shifts. And we put that in our website and we talk about the fact that we may be sourcing from this group now, but it might change because that supply um, will eventually run out.
Yeah, and when you say, I'm just curious, when you say recycled gold and recycled silver, what does that, um, what does that mean in terms of how it's being, uh, like what is it being derived from? Is it from other industries or what does recycled gold and silver mean? So recycled gold and silver is generally from industries. A lot of it's from dental industries, um, but it's a lot of coming from different industries or people who are bringing their own gold and silver buyback programs. Um, but it's used because it's, the metal is has unique properties. It's used a lot in industry, even crystals and diamonds and are used a lot in industry and technology as well. So a lot of it is coming from those sources. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts on producing slower fashion in a culture that really focuses on like rapid consumption, whether that's rapid consumption of media, rapid consumption of products, uh, rapid consumption of time. Like what does it mean to be a brand that focuses on slow production and, and um, craftsmanship in, a cult, in this kind of culture that we're living in? That's a great question. So we have customers who understand, like it really just boils down to the customers. We have customers who understand and they're chill and they plan, but then there's the Christmas season, like holiday season, and everyone just is like, I need my order. So you really just have to communicate that well. Um, when I started clothing, we were slow, um, and it just made sense. It made financial sense. We sell very wide. We have a large variety of items on the website. Um, so, and like my, our shipping coordinator understands, I saw you take a, a little moment there. <laughs> we have a large variety of items on the website. Um, so that, allows us to kind of satisfy a lot of different customers, but it also means that we have to be slow and have to ensure that our inventory levels make sense. Um, and I feel like customers started understanding that more after COVID um, and the benefits of doing that. If you're gonna do fast fashion, a lot of it is manufactured overseas, may not be manufactured in an ethical way. So we really just try to value the people who are working with us. Cause I go in, we go in and we see them every day. Like her dad is the one like finishing a lot of our gold. So it's like, we make sure that we have these relationships with people that, um, that can stand the test of time. And sometimes when you're going really quickly, you can't, you really can't. So um, I like that more and more i think of society is understanding that we do need to slow down we're going way too quickly and i think a lot of society has slowed down inevitably so reminding ourselves of the human part of the human business. part yeah yeah um on your site it says that you can trace your lineage to parts of africa like cameroon and sudan that historically have been known for the craftsmanship of silver and gold how is your story an extension of your roots and also how are these metals uh, unique and related to you know power in terms of the African culture I guess what role does that play that's such a loaded question I feel like I like I go through this all the time so when I was first making these pieces I knew that my grandfather was from the Maroons in Jamaica so they were um, runaway enslaved Africans who ran into the hills and they spoke Twi, which is an Ashanti language. And the Ashanti were in West Africa and very much so connected to the transatlantic slave trade. And they, have, they had a lot of gold, they're on the Gold Coast. So it was very likely that I either came from there or was captured by them and sold into slavery. Um, so that is kind of like, that's something hard to like kind of 
bring together and to kind of just like, you know, just to understand. Um, I then went on and I did um, my DNA uh, tests and with, um, I did my DNA tests and found out that I have Cameroonian heritage. And I was like, okay, Cameroonian, Bamaleke, cool, cool, cool. I know nothing about this culture and, but I found out a little bit more um, and found out that we were actually very likely from um, trace our lineage down the Nile to Sudan. Um, the Maroons also trace their lineage up with the Moors. And I, I've always been interested in jewelry. Like I've always been interested in African cultures. I've always been interested in art and the culture um, and the fashion. And so as I started to understand my history and some things through technology, some things through time, I started to realize that a lot of the jewelry that I was created, creating was linked to where I was from. So, you know, sometimes they talk about a blood memory or a bone memory, um, they talk about epigenetics. And so for me, it was just really interesting and intriguing to see those links and connections. Um, my grandma passed on some pieces. I'm wearing one of the rings. It's, it's a sapphire ring. And like literally maybe about three weeks ago, I met a lady who's doing um, gemstone source from Nigeria. And she was like, you know, there's sapphires in the Cameroon. And I was like, wow. My grandma like literally would have never known because um, she didn't do the DNA test. So it's just something that kind of hits you in terms of like, you know, she's like leaving these pieces that kind of are pinpoints to where we're from and these these journeys and she probably even never knew. Yeah. So um, yeah, things just keep unfolding, like unfolding in that way. Yeah, and now today Omi Woods is a real manifestation of all of that coming together. How long have you had the brand for now? Oh, so I've been doing jewelry for about five years. I believe it's our fourth or fifth year. We started in 2018 at the end of the year. So yeah, it's just been a little bit of time. So it's been an interesting journey thus far. What's been, you know, based off of your experience, what do you think that all entrepreneurs that are going to set out onto their own paths, whether it is to start a jewelry brand or an, uh, a small business, what is something that you think everyone should know before setting forth on that? On the path 100 percent know the basics of business <laughs> oh my i was in an incubator program before i was like a creative and i was like doing clothing i'm like just a creative but then i went into an incubator program with the fashion zone and then the joe fresh center um, accelerator program and like 100 percent just knowing the basics of business you're selling a product or a service that people want the product and the service, they're gonna pay for the product and service, that is a basics. Then you get the marketing, you get all these other things, but usually things will fall into place once you know there's a need and once people, um, um, there's a need out there and people are willing to pay for it. So just know that, because a lot of us are starting businesses and like, it's hard, you, they're meeting people and they're like, yeah, it's, it's, it's not doing well. And you're like, okay, so what is your unique angle? Like, what are you offering to the customer that's different? And it's so often that, that we don't have those conversations or people just jump into business without those conversations. So definitely doing that and getting into accelerator and incubator programs. Um, we have just an amazing entrepreneurial community here in Toronto, one of the best in the world, I think. And just making sure you're connected with a lot of the government run programs um, and incubators in the city. Yeah. And, you know, I think we all understand that the the journey of uh, an entrepreneur or a business owner is full of lots of ups and downs. So where do you, where do you get your courage? Where do you, where do you build yourself? How do you build yourself up? Whew. So there's a lot of stamina that comes from it. Um, I just genuinely feel 
I love jewelry and I love making. I also just love making and creating. Um, so it's just my, just knowing that I can just wake up and create something and I'm making jewelry and that's sustaining me and that's sustaining my life and it means something to people, that's where I really get it from. And just like, I can work from home, it's cozy, it's nice, I'm like not having to go outside that much. So just knowing that I can create my art, honestly, it's just a blessing and share that with the world. Yeah. And did you always have an understanding of your identity as an entrepreneur, as a brand, the type of message you wanted to put out or what you wanted to focus that specific perspective? If, if, if not, how long did it take you to discover that? That's a great question. I feel like I had an inkling and an understanding, but not a complete understanding. And that wasn't until recently, and that wasn't until I started to learn about where I was from. So essentially, I can trace my lineage to folks who were likely sold into slavery because of gold, but then I can also trace my lineage all the way into Sudan and Nubia. And Nubia um, is the Egyptian word for gold. So there's just a huge journey and a legacy involved in that. And it's something that I would have never probably known had I hadn't started this company and gone on that journey. And, and what do you think is, over the course of the past five years, is a lesson that, the lesson that took you the longest to learn about yourself or about business, something that maybe you were in denial about or something that just really took a little while for you to discover about yourself? Uh, I would say that business is a really good way to learn about who you are, your weaknesses, your strengths, how you relate to other people, how you see yourself in the world. And it's a really good pathway to learn more about yourself and others. Um, I feel like everyone has their own journey on how they self-actualize and how they, they are just be in the world. And for some folks, it is through entrepreneurship. Um, it is through having your own business. Other people do the medical field. Other people are architects. So I do feel like whatever field you're in and whatever work you do, you do end up learning more about yourself and others. And, and it's just an interesting way that the universe is set up. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like you have to survive on the earth and you have to do so by making money. And in order to make money, you have to navigate other people and that is, the world can be a very wild place. Um, so figuring out what that means to you, I know for us in terms of sustainability and like ethics, like we could have been, we could just be make, making anything and everything, throwing a whole bunch of gems into our pieces, um, lowering our prices, raising our prices, but it's like what brings you your own peace? And sometimes that's a journey Sometimes you need to get off like, or take a break or figure out what social media um, influence is having on you. And then sometimes you also have to use that to create your own identity and view of yourself. You know, like what we see out there that's defined as success may not be what brings you peace, joy, and happiness. Um, so it's really important to learn what that means to you. And I feel like it's really a feeling and when you're in that feeling and you're living that, it's gonna sway throughout your life. But when you're in that feeling in that moment, it's easier to do your work because then you then connect to other people who are in that feeling. But it is a journey and it takes a long time to get there. And I still have a lot of journey to go as well. So um, it's beautiful. <laughs>
I think that's true also because we talk about a lot of times when we have these conversations around success, it's, it's framed in a way that is very static and um, really like success is how we define success is a journey and it's always changing and what might what we might define as success one day is very different from what it could be a year from now or five years from now and that is something that is uh, ever evolving as we continue to evolve as human beings as well. Um, on this podcast, you know, it's called Mission Critical. We always talk about mission and purpose. So what is your mission for yourself as a human being, but also through your own business as well at the end of the day? And how do you get people on board with it? Your questions are always so good. <laughs> I would say my mission for myself is just to be true to myself in every moment of my life um, with, each, with each thing that I want in life how I want to feel about life, how do I interact with people, how do I move in the world, um, specifically understanding that we're all here at a certain point in history and time and space, and our experiences come from the past and also project into the future. So what am I creating that will last? Um, how will my children look at me? How does my family look at me? What impact have I made in the world? And what story have I told that's related to my own story and other folks' story as well? I love that. That is a great way to, to end our chat. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd really appreciate it if you left a review on Apple Podcasts. Let us know what you liked, who you'd like to see on the show, and anything else you want to share. To keep up to date, subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, ask yourself, what's your mission?